Uh, so we have been doing a series on, on the idea of simplicity, and um, we're, we're somewhat closing that today. We're going to definitely, it's an idea that we will use in our Thanksgiving service um, as well. But we thought a lot about uh, the idea that, that Jesus gives us, that life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. And we thought a lot about that, and we thought for a little bit um, about simple speech. And there's just an idea that I want to talk about today, because I think we believe that it's just, you can have more and more and more, and that's just the messages that we're getting all the time, that there's something in your life that you're missing. There's something in my life that I'm missing. And if I get it, then it's just going to make me happier. The life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. I think about how like, it's just so immediate in our world today. Carter um, gets a, um, an allowance. And because I'm telling a Carter story, he gets five bucks for this. So you can tell him that. Um, but he, 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 gets, he gets an allowance. And so he had money to buy um, a video game that he was really excited about. And so uh, on Friday, he woke me up and he's like, Dad, it's released now. It's released. It's a Pokemon game if you're interested. Um, and he's like, it's, it's released. It's released. It's released. I said, okay, great. You know, I'll, I'll worry about it later. And he's like, no, 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 no. We don't have to go to the store and buy it. Like, it's available online. We can just download it. And this is, you know, Friday morning at 6.30 a.m. And uh, so I, I, I said, all right. And so, and so we, we went and we downloaded it. And I just think this is so interesting, right? Because it used to be, you know, back in my day, we actually, you know, walk to the store uphill both ways and like, you know, actually buy a physical video game. And we'd have to like go and, you know, sometimes wait long. But it's like, it's just right there. And it's not video games, right? it's everything. And it's not just stuff that kids like. Like it's stuff we like. It's stuff that we by. Sometimes I think I need a moment to think like, yeah, I've been told that I need this, but do I actually need it? And then when we do this and we get in this cycle of kind of more and more and more, what we can start to do is, is use what we have and just compare ourselves to other people and get in this cycle that just never really seems to end. I remember for, for me, a, a crushing moment to my comparison. I still remember where I was when I saw this, uh, when LeBron James was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Here's a picture of that. LeBron was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when I was a junior in high school, and I realized that LeBron James was younger than me. And that crushed all my athletic dreams right there. I was like, hold on, like that, that, like that guy, like he's younger then me, are you kidding me? And you kind of had this idea like, well, if I just really trained hard, like if I really, you know, put my full effort into it, and it wasn't even for basketball, it was, but I, I think I have the ability to maybe make it. And I remember just, that was that one. It was like, okay, this, this is, is the end. This is the end of my, my sports dreams. And it wasn't just that, although that moment was definitely one for me. Um, it, it continued Somewhat like when I was in grad school, I, I remember it was a very nerdy moment for me where I like was comparing uh, how many sources we had in our bibliography with somebody else, and I was like, man, this is like an out of body experience. I was like, oh man, this is just not good. And we can just kind of compare ourselves and live in this this cycle, and it's hard for us at times to really think about, you know, what is it that I'm, I'm truly living for? We had a series out of the book of Ecclesiastes over the summer. And I, I saved this idea because I knew I wanted to talk about simplicity. And this idea comes up in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 4.4 4 says this, I saw all the toil and achievement that spring from one person's envy or of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after 
the wind. And this is written by this teacher who has this perspective over life and just kind of looking at everything, looking not only at, at his own life, but then looking to others. And just that so much of like the things that we're doing springs from envy and, and thinking about comparing ourselves to other people. And he says it's meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. And I think this is so interesting because this is written like around 3,000 years ago. Like I think about what, what were they comparing themselves to then? I mean, it was, you know, how many camels do you have? And like all these things, like, but it was like these, these situations and, and, and wealth and, and accumulation. But they think about, okay, this is just what it is. If, if that's what you're living for, it's chasing after the wind. Yeah, we are dust in the wind. Yeah, we're all, all dust in the wind. And it's, it's meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. And so what are you supposed to do with that? How do you respond? And so he continues and says this, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Meaning that, yeah, one response to this, as you think about like the endless cycle of, of comparison, all this stuff, one thing would just be to say, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to give up. I'm not going to try anymore. And perhaps you've seen someone who's done that, unfortunately. You know, they just aren't using their gifts or their talents in the world. Maybe they've been burned in a situation, so they're just like, I'm just not even going to put myself out there anymore because it's hard and it's difficult. So fools just go, no, I'm, I'm just going to check out. I'm not going to try anymore because the world needs you. The world needs your gifts. The world needs the, the things that you have to give to it. So fools, as they think about this, just go, I'm not even going to mess with this anymore. I'm not going to put myself out there. But to live non-foolishly, I think it's to live with a different perspective, to not be motivated by trying to beat other people, by pausing and recognizing that there's enough joy in the world. There's enough joy in the world for maybe your neighbor to get a really nice car and for you to not have one right now, maybe ever. <laughs> There's enough joy in the world for someone that you know, maybe from high school, to take a, you know, a nice trip. And for you to be able to experience joy in some other way, maybe not with a nice trip. We've, we have the phrase, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Now we keep up with every, every Jones we've ever known, right? And it's all around us all the time. And oftentimes, I think we can just spend our lives in this space, and it's exhausting. One of the reasons why I think we, we like sports, is at least why I like sports, is that there's a clear winner and a clear loser. Like, you know, at the end of the day, even though you can complain about the refs and they messed it up, there's a clear winner and there's a clear loser. But life's not like that. It's often more complex. And often maybe the things that you're looking at to somebody else that you, know, you wish you had, it's harder. It's not that easy. You know, sometimes there are things that are going on in somebody's life that you would just never know. What would it look like for you to be motivated, not by envy or, or looking to the right and to the left, by simply using your gifts and trying to think about that there's enough joy in the world for everyone. There's a God who loves us, 
and cares for us. No matter if we're having like a great moment or not. The writer of Ecclesiastes continues and says, better one handful with tranquility. I love this line, than two handfuls with toil. Better that you would have less stuff, but have peace, than more stuff and be completely exhausted. And oftentimes, I know for me, like, I know stuff that gives me more peace. For me, and it might not be for you, it's, there's a piano hymns song, uh, piano hymns uh, on Spotify that I can, I can turn that channel on. And that just takes me to a better space. Maybe for you, it's, it's a different sort of music. Or it's, it's reading scripture. I know, I know for me, one thing is leaving my phone in the other room when I go to bed. So I'm not, you know checking in with the entire world right before I'm trying to sleep. Better that you miss one email or maybe not be able to produce quite as much five minutes before you go to bed. And you probably shouldn't be responding to emails five minutes before you go to bed. I mean, oftentimes we know these things, right? We know what maybe we, we could produce maybe a little bit less or strive just a little bit less, but yet have peace and tranquility in our hands. And then the writer continues in verse seven and eight. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Ecclesiastes is also the book that will say, you know, a cord of, of three strands is, is not easy to be broken, right? So he's saying there's, there's somebody who just has given his life to his work and worked and worked and worked and, and they, has built this, this huge empire. But he doesn't have a son or a brother. He's given up all of these relationships. He's given up all of this stuff and he's built a massive empire, but it's two hands full of tranquility. Not, or not full of tranquility. It's two hands, yeah, the other way. Two hands full of toil, of continuing to just try and amass more and more. And what would it look like for you? What would it look like for me? to live just trying to hold that, that hand that brings about some peace that helps to connect me to something a little bit deeper. I love uh, Philippians 4.13 and you might remember um, 
Tim Tebow, famously, the former NFL quarterback who got way too much attention for his talent level. Uh, but uh, when, when, he was, when he was playing, I mean, he was a great college quarterback. And then he went to the NFL, and he, he really wasn't a great passer. Uh, but he wrote Philippians 4.13 on his eye black. And, and many athletes have that. It says, I can do all things through Christ um, who, who gives me strength. And so oftentimes it's been used in that way. Like, I can, I can throw touchdowns, or I can do this, or God gives me this, or God's going to give me the, this moral victory. I love um, the, if you haven't seen the Babylon Bee, it's a, basically a Christian version of the onion. And I love this, this um, title from uh, an article. Paul wrote Philippians 4.13 after narrowly winning church softball game. And <laughs> you know, I, I, can, I can do all this. I can like, I hit the game-winning home run of the church softball game or whatever, whatever it is. And I, I, I can do this because Christ gives me strength. And it, we think about like these, these victories that are happening. But most scholars would say that Paul writes this letter from prison, that he likely is uh, going to die shortly. And the context of this is actually way better than winning a church softball game or Tim Tebow winning football games, as great as that is. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Isn't that way better context than like winning a football game? <laughs> I can do all this, like whether I, I find myself, and most people would say that Paul is literally in prison in this moment. And even though as I'm in prison, as I'm worried about my life, as I find myself in poverty, or sometimes there, there's moments that Paul would say, you know, it was successful and I was able to, to do, I, I can do all this, not on my own, but I have to continue to turn this over. There's going to be times in our lives when we do feel like we're at the end of our rope and we need to find ways sometimes in community, reaching out uh, when we're in need, but we can find something with us. And what's interesting is Paul actually, he uses this word. Um, I have learned the secret and the word that he uses for the secret is, is the mega mystery. I've learned the mega mystery of life. Now that sounds like an Amazon bestseller, right? Like that sounds like I want to I buy that book. I want to get that book for everybody that I know. I found the mega mystery of life. And ultimately, I think we know that it's the truth, but it's not all that satisfying. It's contentment. It's by looking at your life and saying, yes, it's not perfect, but I'm going to choose to see the good in it. And I'm going to choose in any situation to live for that one hand of peace instead of two hands of toil. I found the mega mystery of life and it is contentment. Isn't that like gold for us right now to be able to look at your life and say, perhaps there's things that I want to change and there's things I want to work towards. There's, there's ways that I, that I personally want to improve. But can you just look at your life? I'm, I'm content with what I weigh right now. Maybe I want to work on it. 
but I'm content. I mean, I love, I love the old quote that is like, um, I wish I was as skinny as I was when I thought I was fat. You know, <laughs> could, you, could you look at your situation and say, okay, yeah, it's, it's not perfect, but I'm going to choose to say, all right, I want to be content here. And there's hard things about being you, that there's difficult things that you experience, but can you look at your life in such a way and say, I, I want to be content. And could you make a, a contentment plan? Because this is what Paul, Paul says, this is the mystery of life, that this is going to get you through things if you can find ways to proactively say, I'm going to choose to try and be content. I'm going to fight those, those things that are in me, the impulses in me that think that just more and more and more is going to get me to a place that I need. The, the mystery of life is looking at what you have and finding great, sustaining joy in it. I love this quote from Thomas Merton. Uh, he, he says this, one of the most neglected elements of the spiritual life is the ability to respond to reality, to see the value and the beauty in ordinary things, to come alive to the splendor that is all around us. There's splendor in, in my life that I know that I, I walk past from time to time. There's times that I need to slow down and pay attention and obviously, this is a time we are coming up on, on Thanksgiving. And at Thanksgiving time, we hopefully you know, spend some time being thankful. And we'll do that next week. If you don't do it on Thursday, hopefully you get a chance to, to do that. One thing that I know I, I need to do at times is just, just sit and think about what I'm thankful for. To come alive to the splendor that's around me have a deeper awareness of it. I had a chance to go on a, a preaching retreat um, that Mandy affectionately calls Preacher Camp a few weeks ago. Um, it's, it's a group of us that uh, we, we've been meeting together once a year uh, for probably about 15 years at this point. And uh, we just spend some time kind of talking about our lives. And there's a, a guy who's a mentor um, for the group named Randy Harris, who's like a Church of Christ monk. He... Um, is just, just great, has really great spiritual wisdom. And he gave us a, a quote um, to think about, and uh, it's, it's um, from Mennonite spirituality. And, and the quote is, um, you have two responsibilities every single day. And those two responsibilities are this, to be aware of God's presence and to milk the cows. And I know, I imagine none of us have cows in here, but the idea is if you have too many cows, then you need to get rid of some. So what's important for us is to be aware of God's presence daily. And then to do the work that you need to do. You have work that you need to do in the world. And maybe right now it's too much. Maybe you need to send some cows home. You and I, we have two responsibilities. to daily consider and think about, be aware of God's presence in your day-to-day. -day. And to do the work then you're called to do. Be glad it's not on a farm, maybe, because farm work is hard, from what I understand. These precious hands have not done much farm work in, in my day. 
But to think about the work that you're called to do and your work, just like your life, it's hard sometimes. Your boss is, is mean. There's too many demands on you. But there's things that you're called to do. There are responsibilities that you have. And I think we are able to grow in, in our joy of, of even whatever is, is going on in your life, the more and more that we are aware of God's presence, the more that we're able to do number one. So I hope for us as, as we are uh, moving out of this series in, in simplicity that we would consider this calling on our life. That God calls us to, to live simply and to think about perhaps how we could get along with, with a little bit less. There's a spiritual nature to stuff. And if we are just constantly plugged into the world and just going, just going faster and faster, we need to think of what Paul says, again, from prison, that he can be content in any situation because of God's strength and power. I just encourage you to think of a contentment plan because really that, that is gold in our world today. We would be filled with joy and not competing with other people. That we would find ways to still our hearts and remember who God is. Let's pray. God, I pray for all of us. I pray that we would live with the deepening sense of contentment. That we would not live with the spirit of competition with others. That we would milk the cows as we need to to do to our work. That we would grow in our awareness of you. That especially this week, as we pause and give thanks, that we would find ways to truly give thanks for some blessings that you've given us. Be with us as we strive to see the good in our lives and to find a deeper sense of contentment. In your son Jesus, I pray. Amen.